This is Agent to Agent Remarks. My name is Jeff Lavelle. I am a real estate broker and property manager with The Brokerage, a real estate firm just outside of Las Vegas in Henderson, Nevada. Agent to Agent Remarks are those comments in the multiple listing system that aren't shared with the general public. They're just those private comments between the real estate agents. And so this series is going to focus on fun stories, not so fun stories, and all those little things that you don't always get to hear about. And it's far from reality TV. It's the real part of real estate. So sit back, relax. Let's talk about some real estate. And thanks for stopping by. Hey, everybody. Jeff Lavelle, your favorite broker here in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, coming to you on Agent to Agent Remarks, my podcast uh, with critical acclaim and fanfare. Uh, <laughs> We talked last time most recently about the Nevada Duties Owed, a wonderful forum that outlines my the reasons you should trust me or some of the reasons that you should trust me. And so uh, I wanted to go into uh, one of the things I mentioned in that uh, last uh, episode was that all realtors are Nevada, or well, not Nevada, but all realtors are real estate licensees, but not all real estate licensees are realtors. And so I want to kind of go into one of the things that separates a realtor from a Nevada licensee or an Ohio licensee or wherever it is that you're listening from. And one of the big key factors and components that separates us from the run of the mill is uh, the code of ethics. And the code of ethics is the standard of practice that we have collectively agreed to follow as realtors. And it's updated from time to time. It is uh, quite lengthy, not only in the number of articles, but kind of just in the, the uh, supporting text and documents that exist. It's 17 different articles. Um, we have a duties to clients and customers, a duties to the public, and then, of course, duties that we have to other realtors. Um, and there's some overlap. There's some areas where, um, you know, they have some cross coverage and some additional uh, ways that it protects both parties, so realtors and public, for example. But it's a pretty interesting collection of of uh, of, uh, of things to ascribe to, right? Ideals to... Uh, try to reach. So one of the the neat things is that realtors are self-regulating. So we do go out and you know educate our members and try to make sure that our realtor members are always doing the best that they can. And one of the ways that we do that is through the accountability called the professional standards. And so when a realtor member is uh, accused of violating these 17 principles or one of these 17 principles, they get a complaint with the grievance committee. And the grievance committee, depending upon the individual local association, is comprised of a group of realtors who have been, in most cases, appointed by the local board president. Um, I happen to sit on a grievance committee here in Las Vegas with the Las Vegas Realtors. I've been on that committee for three years now, and I, I really enjoy it. If you know me, you know I'm a rule follower. I am the son of a uh, retired police officer, and now she is a retired district attorney. Um, the man who I call my father is a U.S. attorney. Um, he helped my mom as a father figure when I was growing up. And so I come from a family of rule followers, I like to say. And so <laughs> it's it's really um, uh, 
kind of just very natural for me to want to hear about these cases and give my two cents and whether I think somebody has violated these codes. So let's just cover kind of what they are first and foremost. So Article 1 is part of the duties to clients and customers. When representing a buyer and seller, landlord, tenant, or other client, realtors pledge themselves to protect and promote the interests of their client. The obligation to client is primary, but does not relieve realtors of their obligation to treat all parties honestly. When serving as a buyer, seller, landlord, tenant, or other responsible party in a non-agency capacity, realtors remain obligated to treat all parties honestly. So this kind of goes part, well, it doesn't kind of go, it goes really part and parcel with uh, what we talked about with the Code of Ethics, that Article 1 and Item 1 of uh, Duties Owed both say that we have to treat everybody honestly. In the Duties Owed, it says you can't be fraudulent, deceitful, or dishonest. And on Article 1 of the Code of Ethics, it says you have to treat all parties fairly. Um, so this is really the coverall, catch-all, I guess you could say, that covers a lot of realtor complaints. Did that realtor treat some member of that transaction, some party of that transaction, whether it be the other realtor or the buyer or seller, did they treat them dishonestly? Was there something said that simply wasn't true? And is there support for that accusation? Um, Article 2 asks, uh, or, or I shouldn't say asks, Article 2 says that uh, realtors shall avoid exaggeration, misrepresentations, or concealment of personal facts relating to the property or the transactions. Realtors shall not, however, be obligated to discover latent defects in the property, to advise on matters outside the scope of their real estate license, or disclose facts which are confidential under the scope of agency or non-agency relationships as defined by state law. So just suffice to say that realtors aren't allowed to exaggerate uh, we'll say really exaggerate because there is a, prim a principle called puffing. Um, uh, so not allowed to exaggerate, misrepresent, or conceal pertinent facts. And again, if you think of the Code of Ethics and the uh, Nevada Duties Owed, the Duties Owed outlined when we talked about it last time that the realtor is not allowed to hide material facts. So does Article 2. It says that we are supposed to... Um, uh, we're not supposed to leave the scope of our license either, and the duties owed also carries that provision. So um, stay in your lane and don't lie to people. Okay, those are two premises you can take into this article. Article three: Realtors shall cooperate. And again, keep the word. The wording here is is deliberate. Shall. Uh, Realtors shall cooperate with other brokers except when cooperation is not in the client's best interest. The obligation to cooperate does not include the obligation to share commissions, fees, or otherwise compensate another broker. So this is one that gets, I think, misunderstood a lot. It's not saying that if I send you an addendum to sign that you have to cooperate with me and have the, have the addendum signed. It generally discusses our principle of cooperation for the client's best interests. I have a buyer, you have a seller, you and I know that this property is what's best for both of these parties. It's in the best interest of your seller to sell it, and it's in the best interest of my buyer to buy this specific home. So we have an obligation to cooperate to make that happen. And it doesn't, uh, like I said, doesn't have an obligation to pay commission, uh, but uh, the parties can pay their own commissions if that's part of what the uh, the agents have required or what they've agreed to as part of that deal. Um, the next one is Article 4. So, Realtors shall not acquire an interest in or buy 
or present offers from themselves, any member of their immediate families or firms or any member thereof, or any entities in which they may have an ownership interest, any real property without making their true position known to the owner or the owner's agent or broker. So it goes on to talk talk about the sales aspect as well. They can't, they can, the, the same is true for selling property. And so this is also seen in Nevada statute is that you have to disclose your license status in all matters. So if you are uh, going to be representing yourself or a family member or somebody who is business, blood, or marriage, as we like to say, then you have to disclose that. You have to say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, uh, I represent this person because there is an, an, an expectation that you may not be able to uh, be neutral or impartial or whatever you want to say in that uh, that deal. And so it's expected too that a seller understand that the person buying their home is a licensee and so they may have more savvy than the person who uh, would just be off the street wanting to buy a home. You know, Bob and you know Bob the buyer can go out there without any representation. He can buy property. Um, he may be very very savvy, much more so than a real estate agent is. But uh, the fact is, it's not expected that he's savvy, and it's also not expected that he's required to ascribe. A, a, a what's the word I'm trying to say? You ever get tongue tied? He's not expected to have the same ethical obligations as a practitioner would, as a licensed person would. And so he could come in there and swoop in and steal the house, so to speak. Um, he doesn't have any ethical obligations to the person uh, who he's buying from. Uh, Article 5 just says that realtors shall not provide professional services con concerning a property or its value where they have a present or contemplated interest unless that interest is fully disclosed. And so again, disclosure to the parties about their interest in the property. Article 6 says a realtor shall not accept any commission, rebate, or profit or expenditures made for their client without the client's knowledge and consent. When recommending real estate services or products, uh, home warranty, warranty programs, mortgage, finance, insurance, realtor shall disclose to the client or customer to whom the recommendation is made any financial benefits or fees other than referral fees that the realtor or realtor's firm may. So this is what we would consider like an affiliated business disclosure. And I, I have a problem with uh, just generally this idea that your real estate agent and their company is a one-stop shop. Title, escrow, real estate agent, lender, I'm waiting for the home inspection companies to get part of this, so or to, to, to join part of this. I, I just feel as though you need to have some checks and balances, kind of like our government is supposed to have, where you have people that are not uh, financially or, or business related that are there to look out for the buyer's best interest. So it's not illegal as long as the proper recommend, uh, the proper disclosures are made, but I do feel that it's, so, well, we'll put it this way. Some of the biggest fines levied by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, that's the CFPB, you might've heard of them. Uh, you may not have, but the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, some of the largest fines they levied were related to in-house services like this, where there was no real opportunity for a buyer to shop services. So if a buyer feels like they have to use, so okay, even if you gave a buyer this affiliated business disclosure and said, hey, just so you know, we own the title and escrow company, the lender works for us, I work for the same company, yada, yada, yada. 
even if you disclose that, if the buyer doesn't have the feeling of opportunity to shop those services, you could be in violation of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It's not enough to just say to somebody, oh, hey, here's this disclosure. If you are in practice pushing them, steering them, guiding them into using those services, um, especially since there is a benefit. I don't have a benefit. In my, in my personal practice, I don't have a benefit from the title company I recommend to the lender I encourage people to use. Um, and that has, well, lenders. I, I mean, I have to, uh, we do recommend multiple lenders. But the point is, I don't get anything from them. I don't get my pocketbook lined. I don't get uh, uh, even a Starbucks gift card. I'm loyal to the service they provide to my client, and that is why they're recommended. There is no business arrangement for us to work together. Article 7 says, in a transaction, realtors shall not accept compensation from more than one party, even if permitted by law without disclosure to the parties and informed consent of the realtor client. We talked about this in the duties owed in the previous episode, that we have to disclose the source of all compensation. And the true, same is true for the, board, the Code of Ethics and the Board of Realtors. Um, we have to disclose where we're getting compensated from because, you know, a lot of people are loyal to the master they serve and the master they serve is money. Um, and when they are loyal to the person paying them, that may impact their loyalty to the buyer. Because uh, keep in mind, I mean, in many cases, buyers aren't really the one paying you, the seller's paying you. And in some states, realtors or real estate licensees are loyal to the person paying the commission by law, not by ethics, but by law. So their state statutes say that since the seller is paying the commission, both realtors, the buyer's agent and the listing agent, have fidelity to that person. So, wow, right? That's look out, buyer beware really takes on a whole new practice, even when the agent that's working for you is really working for the seller. Article 8 says realtors shall keep in a special account in an appropriate financial institution separated from their own funds, monies coming into their possession and trust for other persons, such as escrow, trust funds, client monies, and other like items. This is not a practice that I'm familiar with in Nevada. We do not accept escrow uh, earnest money deposits on behalf of our buyers. It goes directly to the escrow company. The escrow company receipts those monies in and accounts for them in their trust funds. So this is kind of foreign to me, but the premise is, is easy to understand. When you're taking people's money in, you've got to account for it. You've got to segregate it from your own your own monies because What's to say the realtor doesn't go bankrupt? What's to say they're not sued? You have to be able to articulate for the courts and other people during discovery that those are not your monies. These are these are monies that we call OPM in Nevada, other people's monies. OPM is not part of any uh, litigation. So we, I do property management. I have two trust accounts. Um, they are owner's reserves and tenant deposits. And they are segregated from each other. They're reconciled each month. And then we submit an annual reconciliation to the state of Nevada to show that we're in compliance. So that does that is in keeping with Nevada statute and with the Code of Ethics. So interestingly, the original realtors, or, you know, went back when realtors, houses used to get hawked on the streets, you know, like... Uh, like vegetables <laughs> back in the day. So after, I think it was after the San Francisco, uh, what was it, a fire, right, that hit San Francisco back in the day? After the fire, uh, the, the, the realtors were, were founded. And um, interestingly enough, I believe, uh, 
Coldwell and Banker. You might have heard of Coldwell Banker, but I believe they were they were part of the original founding of the Realtors. Anyway, long story short, the code of ethics that was developed by Realtors back then um, obviously grew over time and became the benchmark for many states to establish their own statutes. And so as licensees, as licensing became a requirement to sell real estate, those uh, this code of ethics that I'm reading from right now had a major part in many areas of impacting the state law. So Realtors are, uh, we've been around a long time, more than 100 years, and uh, not personally, not me personally, okay? Not me personally, thank you. Uh, but uh, we've been around for a long time and we've shaped the face of the United States real estate. Article 9 says that for the protection of all parties, uh, shall Realtors shall ensure, whenever possible, that all agreements related to the real estate transactions, including but not limited to listing and representation agreements, purchase contracts, and leases, are in writing and clear, understandable language expressing the specific terms, conditions, obligations, and commitments. A copy of each agreement shall be furnished to each party upon signing or initialing. So this, again, is, is seen in Nevada statute that you have to provide your client with all copies of all signed documents. Um, the, the, the point of this is a competency. If you are a realtor, you're expected to keep your contracts written and uh, make sure your client has a copy of it for accountability. So you have a contract to buy a home, your buyer has a specific financing period, inspection period, appraisal contingency, and we'll go over these in another uh, 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 podcast episode, but you have those contingencies if those contingencies look like they're going to expire and your client has not fulfilled their part yet, meaning they have not gotten the appraisal back, they've not done their home inspection, they've not um, gotten their financing approved, you as the realtor have an obligation as per Article 9 to make sure that you're extending those contingencies in writing, that you're protecting your buyer to the degree that you're able to. Um, again, it says, it says uh, shall ensure whenever possible. Sometimes you may go to extend the contingency for your buyer and the listing agent and or seller may not be all too interested in doing so. Um, where would that take place? In a market like we're in today, where uh, there is a scarcity of property, uh, absolute scarcity of property, where sellers are very much in the driver's seat. And so the buyer is really left to make sure that they're doing their part of the transaction uh, as agreed. You know, you don't have this opportunity to go to a seller necessarily and know that they're going to be benevolent and give you the additional time you need, unless, of course, they're at fault. So maybe they didn't get the gas, water, and the power on to the property as agreed to in the contract. And so really you didn't have the ability to do your inspections or the ability to do your finance uh, appraisal. Um, but clearly the list, the buyer's agent should have been communicating that and getting that taken care of in writing again to ensure that the, the client is protected. So we're going to go from the articles. Uh, so if you, you notice here, we just went through articles one through nine. Those are the realtor duties to the clients and customers. Nine articles of the 17 articles that we owe are to the public. Now, or I'm sorry, to, to our clients. Let me, I, 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 let me correct that. To our clients. We have another set of articles that are specifically due to the public. 
And so I'm going to go into those now. And these have a lot of, a lot to do really with fair housing. Um, and they're articles nine through I'm sorry, ten through fourteen. And uh, I'll go over those, and then we'll cover the realtor duties to realtors. So Article 10 says that realtors shall not deny equal professional services to any person for any reasons of race, color, religion, sex, handicap, familial status, national origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity. Realtors shall not be parties to any plan or agreement to discriminate against a person or persons on the basis of the same things I just mentioned. Realtors in their real estate employment practices shall not discriminate against any person or persons on the basis of the same things I mentioned before. So in Nevada, we also have uh, uh, ancestry. In addition to the uh, federal housing protections, we have an ancestry protection, uh, specifically notating Native American status. So um, I think this is pretty, pretty uh, clear to understand. If the money's green, you get to buy the house. Now, whether that money comes in the form of cash or whether that money comes in the form of financing, I have been. When, so when I first started in real estate, um, I was young and dumb and, and you know, uh, eager, I guess you'd say. And I really, I'll be honest with you, I needed money. I was uh, very much into the red. I had uh, run up credit cards to try to make this business work. I had been on so many appointments and I was much thinner then. And so I looked young. <laughs> I was 21 and I was young and, and well, 21 is young, but I was young looking also. I was very, very young looking. And so um, to go into these listing appointments with homeowners who were uh, looking to make the most money possible for their homes, this was 2005. The market was starting to shift. And I remember sitting down at a kitchen table. And again, I needed money, okay? Um, there was not a lot that would be said or done in this meeting that would cause me to to not do what they were asking. Um, and so we had gone through the entire presentation. I was in my suit and tie. Um, I had gone through every aspect of the presentation. And the homeowners, and, and this, this will always sit in my mind, they looked content and pleased. The husband turned to his wife and he's kind of smiled. And he said, so Jeff, there's one more thing we want to talk about. And I said, sure. I'm like, yeah, just sign the contract. Um, one more thing we want to talk about. You know, we really have enjoyed living in this neighborhood. And we have talked with our neighbors about selling the home. And we've made a promise to them that we'll sell the home to the right people. Now, I was naive, but I wasn't stupid. And needing the money, I wanted to make it clear while still covering my obligations as a practitioner, that I would be happy to list the home for them, but that we really only cared about one thing, and that was the buyer's ability to purchase. And I said, well, I understand that, and I understand that we want to sell it to a, a nice person. So as long as the money is green, we're going to be okay selling it to that person. And he said, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. And I took a second to just decide how I was going to say, not what I was going to say, but how I was going to say it to them. Because there was no way at this point, having tried to give them an opportunity to understand that I wasn't playing their stupid game, how are we going to dis 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 um, tell them this? And I looked at the guy and I was, I was just broken down by that. One, that somebody would offer housing in that way. I mean, that this was 
2005, for God's sakes. This wasn't 1905. And I looked at the guy and I said, you know, I just don't think I'm the right person for you. And I don't think that this is the right way to approach the sale of your house. And I packed up my stuff and I excused myself and I just walked away from the kitchen counter, uh, kitchen table, actually. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't want to lose the sale, right? Nobody wants to, to lose out on an opportunity to make money, but I certainly wasn't going to work with somebody who would be that way. They didn't deserve my services. They didn't deserve my loyalty um, or my enthusiasm. At the time, I didn't have much experience. So they didn't deserve that. Uh, and they certainly didn't deserve good things. So um, yeah, you know, we have an obligation. And I think it's clear to offer housing in a fair way. And if you're not offering housing in a fair way, um, you really need to look at another practice, another industry, another field. Um, please, sincerely, if you have prejudices, if you have um, any any sort of preconceived ways of dealing with certain people, um, and I don't care what color you are, if you are discriminatory in your practices, this is not the industry for you. And I would ask you to resign. I mean that. So we go on to Article 11. Article 11 is one of my favorite articles because Article 11 is a competency article. And Article 11 says that the services which realtors provide to their clients and customers shall conform to the standards of practices and competency that are reasonable, reasonably expected in the specific real estate disciplines in which they engage. Specifically, residential real estate brokerage, real property management, commercial and industrial real estate brokerage, land brokerage, real estate appraisal, real estate counseling, real estate syndication, real estate auction, and international real estate. Now, you might be saying to yourself, if the person's licensed, don't they automatically cover this provision? No, they don't. Getting a license in real estate is not the same as being competent in real estate. You've shown proficiency to get through some exams, uh, it doesn't mean you're proficient in your craft. So, you know, this is an exaggeration, but you're, you don't become a surgeon because you, you know, graduate med school. You become a surgeon because you have put hours and hours and hours, thousands of hours into improving your skills and your, your hands and your eye and all the techniques that you've developed over the, over the years. And the same thing is true for any profession, but um, real estate is no exception. So um, when a realtor uh, fails under basic, the most basic of competencies, they fall under Article 11. Article 12 says that realtors shall be honest and truthful in their real estate communications and shall present a true picture in their advertising, marketing, and other representations. Uh, realtors shall ensure that their status as a real estate professional is readily apparent in their advertising, marketing, and other representations, and that the recipients uh, uh, of all real estate communication are or have been notified that those communications are from a real estate professional. Again, we talked about this in other uh, articles and other you know podcast episodes. But the 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 public deserves to know who you are. They deserve to know that you are potentially more savvy than they. So it's important to note in your advertising, and the state of Nevada requires their brokerage name be prominent. Prominent means as large or larger than the real estate licensee. Um, so there, you know, if you have your name on there, your brokerage name, where you work, 
the brokerage, a real estate firm, needs to be as large or larger than the other text on the document. And this is to ensure compliance with state statute. In addition, you're required to have your license number on there. It doesn't have to be prominent. There's no obligation for prominence in this, the license number. It needs to be legible. Um, and I think I see that on billboards as I drive through Las Vegas. You know, you can you know the license is up there because you can see make out the the hallmarks of a license number, but it's not legible. You can't see from the street from the the driving past what that license number is. But it also says other representations, and so I, in in looking at cases that come before the grievance committee, I always defer to this when there's an uh, um, an under um, a perception that an agent has been misleading or um, otherwise untruthful in their dealings. It uh, it's covered by Article One, but I think Article Twelve also offers some provisions for um, just honest and truthful dealings. So I think that's another area to consider. Article 13 says that realtors shall not engage in activities that constitute the unauthorized practice of law. The worst thing you can do for yourself, I think, in this industry is try to give tax or legal advice to your client. Um, we are not, in most cases, now there are many people that have left a, a law career or are lawyers um, uh, and also a realtor. Uh, there are many people who are CPAs and are also a realtor. So, so it's not... It's not to say that somebody who has those competencies and has the, the appropriate licensing to give the information uh, would not be allowed to do this. It is a non-legal person, a, a non-lawyer, a non-CPA realtor could not provide this information. They could not advise their client in that way. And really, there's no reason to. And again, the real estate duties owed in Nevada uh, requires that we refer our clients to people who are experts in their field when it's beyond our expertise. So again, I continue to point out the ways that these two documents mirror each other. Article 14 says, if charged with unethical practice or asked to present evidence to cooperate in any other way in any professional standards proceeding or investigations, realtors shall place all pertinent facts before the proper tribunals of the member board or affiliate institution, society, or council in which membership is held and shall take no action to disrupt or obstruct such processes. So we are entitled to due process as realtors in the Board of Realtors. So when a, a grievance committee case is brought, if that realtor uh, grievance committee sustains the allegation and pushes it forward to the Professional Standards Tribunal, then the Professional Standards Tribunal would decide whether that agent was in violation of the Code of Ethics and Standard of Practice. The realtor is entitled to legal counsel. Because this is a membership, there is no legal ramification at the Board of Realtors, and the findings of the Realtor Professional Standards uh, Panel are confidential. They're not allowed to be used in other ways or for other means. So you're not allowed to take this and say, oh, hey, Mr. Judge or Mrs. Judge, I found out that this Realtor was found guilty of the Code of Ethics violation. I want to take this to you in uh, the courts and use it against them. It's a membership violation. The Realtor could lose their, their Realtor membership. That would make them a real estate licensee and not a Realtor. I will say that if a Realtor licensee, um, if a Realtor loses their Realtor status, 
then their real their licensee status is likely also in jeopardy. So to to have something that egregious would uh, be fairly uncommon because um, the realtor community is is pretty hard on their members, but we don't have the ability to take the license. So when, if you ever file a complaint, please don't ask the realtors to take the license or to give you money back. They don't have that ability. Now, that's the, the duties to the public, right? Fair housing, honest ethical advertising, um, uh, the, the requirement to participate in a tribunal if you're found, uh, if somebody complains against you and not to practice unlicensed law. Duties to realtors. Duties to realtors. So this is the shortest section of the Code of Ethics. And, you know, I would say with good reason because, you know, clearly we are not here to serve the realtor community. We're here to serve the community. And so, yes, it makes sense that we have a few things that we owe to each other. But in the for the whole, the most part, our duties are to the public. So Article 15 of 17, Realtors shall not knowingly or recklessly make false or misleading statements about other real estate professionals, their businesses, or their business practices. If you're in business, uh, you understand that egos exist. <laughs> and there, you know, really there's no, no industry, I think, that is exempt from that, right? You always want to consider yourself the best or the greatest or the whatever, I don't know. But the, the feeling is that if you didn't have a provision like this, and a way to settle these sorts of disputes without lawsuits for defamation or libel or whatever, um, that realtors would constantly be slinging arrows at each other. And not to say that they don't subtly make inferences um, that are picked up by the majority of people in the business. Uh, the fact is you can't go out there and say, oh yeah, that Bob guy is a real son of a gun. Uh, I really think that he is a liar and a cheat and a thief and he never gets, you know, he, he smells bad. You can't talk bad about another realtor. So then we go to Article 16. Realtors shall not engage in any practice or take action inconsistent with exclusive representation or exclu exclusive brokerage relationship agreements that other realtors have with clients. And so that's to say that, you know, I go in the MLS today the multiple listing system and I see that John uh, or Jane has a listing that I really like. I want that listing and I'm going to have it. So I'm going to call that owner up and I'm going to say, hey, I will sell your house for X percent lower than the other person. So cancel that agreement that you have with them. Come over to my office and I will sell your house for less. Well, that would be happening ad nauseum. I mean, it would never stop. Realtors would just constantly be calling to badmouth and solicit the uh, uh, off the, the the transaction, the the uh, listing of some other poor broker. So it's really a good thing that we don't allow this. Or if we did, we would have a problem on our hands. And in Nevada, we have this great thing called buyers representation or buyer's agency. And so this would also go true to a buyer who was under a buyer's brokerage agreement with another broker showing homes and the listing agent thinks, oh, you know, here's this buyer for my listing. This agent's been kind enough to serve them up to me on a platter. 
I'll just go over and chat them up a little bit and tell them I want to help them buy a house. Um, when you have a buyer brokerage agreement, that is another exclusive agency relationship that the other agent needs to be mindful of and back off. Uh, and then we go from 16 and as the numbers go, we're at 17. So from 16 to 17, who would have thought? In the event, now this is, this is one of the principles of why being a realtor is super duper effective. It says, in the event of contractual disputes or specific non-contractual disputes as defined in standard of practice 17.4, realtors principles, so this would be brokers, associated with different firms arising out of their relationship as realtors, the realtors shall mediate the dispute if the board requires its members to mediate. If the dispute is not resolved through mediation or if mediation is not required, realtors shall submit the dispute to arbitration in accordance with the policies of the board rather than litigate the matter. We want to keep our members out of the courts. There's no reason for it. We've created this opportunity to arbitrate. So what does that mean? I won't go into the many, 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 many facets of procuring cause because it is too nuanced and varied and the variables that exist in procuring cause cases are just mind-blowing. But suffice to say that when a buyer's agent closes escrow on a transaction and the buyer closes the deal and all is well with the world, there are some cases where another agent may believe them, uh, may believe that they are the procuring cause of that purchase. They are the person that made it possible for the parties. And so in those instances, the realtor brokers, the principals, agree to mediate first and then eventually arbitrate. And what ends up happening is arbitration. Um, in, in many cases, I think, at least in my experience, I've reached out to the other broker. I've laid out my case for them fairly com uh, completely and fairly uh, succinctly. So we're not going into all this you know, long discussion. And I say, look, here's why I think we are the procuring cause. The interesting thing about procuring cause is the loser of that case um, loses you know, the $500 that they pay to go into it, but let's just say the listing agent loses, they have to pay those monies, I believe it's within 30 days, and it's 100% all or nothing. So if the buyer's agent claims procuring cause and the buyer's agent is successful, then the listing agent, or the it depends on who they took the case against, the proper way is to go against the listing agent, but the listing agent would have to then arbitrate against the successful buyer's agent. It's confusing, and I can always go into this in more detail for you, but the person that, if the, if the buyer's agent that was successful in closing the deal, we'll just put it this way, if the buyer's agent that was successful in closing the deal loses the arbitration case, in most cases, it's 100% to one party or the other. It's rare that a procuring cause arbitration case will be split 50-50. So there's a lot on the line. You better be darn sure of your case. You better have a lot of backing up materials to show that you, in fact, were the procuring cause and not the person who claims that they are. Because if you lose, there could be a lot of money on the line. I've seen hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line. So it's, uh, it's really a, a wonderful 
document. It's a living document, much the way our Constitution is. There's a panel that meets uh, at the National Board of Realtors, National Association of Realtors, um, to discuss changes and modifications to the agreement or to the, the Code of Ethics. One of the most recent changes to the Code of Ethics is Article 1. They added a standard of practice. Now, standard of practice are examples, we'll say, of uh, what the main article is intended to provide. But in 2020, we updated standard of practice 1.1-7, which we added upon the written request of a cooperating broker who submits an offer to the listing broker. A cooperating broker would be a buyer's agent in most cases. Um, so upon the written request of the cooperating broker who submits an offer to the listing broker, the listing broker shall provide, again shall, as soon as practical, a written affirmation to the cooperating broker stating that the offer has been submitted to the seller or landlord or a written notification that the seller landlord has waived the obligation to have the offer presented. And this helps keep some of that hinky nonsense out of play because when realtors or any practitioner knows that they can be held accountable on things, they tend to be more by the book. So I hope you've enjoyed this. I sure have. <laughs> and I've got more to come. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. I, I say this. I said this in the last episode. Like and subscribe. I don't know if that's a thing, but if it's a thing, do it for me. Is there a bell? Can you click on it? And more importantly, share this with your friends. I know that one of the ways that I enjoy new podcasts is when somebody says to me, "Hey, you should listen to this person. Um, either their content is good or they're funny. Sometimes both. Maybe I'm one of those uh, people, but." We'll leave it to you to decide. So share this with your friends, even if they're not in the state, because if they're realtors, this particular episode applies across the board. Until next time, this is Jeff Lavelle, the broker of the brokerage real estate firm and agent to agent remarks. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon.